I'm Matthew Rosenberg, local democracy reporter based out of the Gisborne Herald's newsroom. And a funding extension's been, full, um, been ruled out for native forest work in uh, Wangaki. Can you just explain a bit more, Matthew, about the background to this? Welcome. Yeah, kia ora, Catherine. Um, starting off today with some, some bad news for um, Gisborne District Council. As you've said, um, the funding won't be extended for work it's undertaking at Wainaki. Uh, so for some background, the council bought a massive land parcel out there in 1991. And this is quite a remote part of Gisborne, um, but significant from the council's point of view in that it's home to the city's main water supply. I, I like remember the story. We, I remember. Yeah. Now, so, I feel like so every what's. Every time we catch up, there's a, an update. Yeah. And uh, today is, we're, we're continuing that streak. So, what's happening with the funding? Yeah. So, um, just for a little bit more background, uh, the, the city's three dams, main water pipeline, and primary treatment plant are all located out in Wainaki. Uh, so, it is really important to the city as a whole. And um, this funding has been um, to make sure the, that water supply is protected into the future. It involves slowly turning a lot of the forest there back into native bush. So a really great initiative, uh, one that's important for um, securing the water supply. Um, and this latest hiccup uh, centres around the fact that the funding for the work, um, which the council's been relying on from a COVID response package um, called Jobs for Nature, um, is which is always only going to be short term hasn't uh, uh, been extended. So that's interesting. Uh, that is impacting in... projects uh, all around the Motu, um, and yeah. we've we've talked to several organisations now in a scramble to try and replace that funding because it was part of the COVID stimulus funding, right? Yeah, yeah. So it was a, it was a COVID response package, and yeah, given back in twenty twenty one, two million dollars of it. Um, its purpose was to create dozens of jobs for weed and pest control work in Wainaki, which is obviously really important if you're um, trying to regenerate native forest out there. So um, this this issue came on my radar um, when it was mentioned in a council report last month. Uh, the report said there hadn't been a clear decision on whether it would be extended beyond its expiry in June next year. Um, the report also said the council had made a request for multiple projects to continue in the region under that program. Now, since had confirmation from the Department of Conservation um, that it won't be getting a boost beyond its expiry. It sounds like some projects will be around the country, but this hasn't made the cut. Um, it's a real blow to the council. I've gone back to them and they've said they'll be looking for funding elsewhere. They also pointed out that the continuation of this Jobs for Nature funding was recommended by the Ministerial Inquiry into Land Use, uh, which was undertaken, obviously, earlier this year in Tairafi and Northern Hawke's Bay. Um, the council uh, has already expressed concerns about what losing this funding might mean. Uh, there are some very real fears that a lot of the progress they've made in Wainaki could be undone as a result. And remind us, it, remind uh, us what that work yet. is and its relevance to you know, water security and to some pretty important assets. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So during the cyclone, nine bridges carrying the city's main water pipe were taken out by uh, woody debris. Um, a lot of the land out there is home to pine, which is being replaced as it's harvested. I think it's 2027 that the council has plans to um, to finish felling the last of that. 
and in its place they're replacing it with um, with native forestry, which will secure the pipeline. Um, it's it's a really it's really important work. Okay, so frustration there. Now, speaking of your water infrastructure, you've been on a tour. Yeah, sticking with the water theme, Catherine, uh, I had a tour of the Waipawa uh, water treatment plant here in Gisborne recently, and it was really eye-opening to see what they're dealing with at the moment, um, namely really dirty source water. Uh, when the main plant at Wainaki went down during Cyclone Gabriel, it was this plant which sustained the city for weeks on end. And what's interesting about it is that it was only ever supposed to be a backup plant. It was built following Cyclone Bowler in 1988, and at times it's gone whole years uh, without even being used. Um, I was told that this year has been its biggest uh, since it was built. So about 30 years on, and it's just had its biggest year. And uh, perhaps what's most impressive is what I've already alluded to, the fact that it's drawing on really muddy water from the Waipawa River. It's hard to believe that it's what we're drinking here in the city, but old as the plant may be, it's doing a really amazing job of, of purifying that dirty water. Uh, it uses clarifiers, sand filtration, UV, uh, to create a, a pretty impressive end product, really. Um, and yeah, I guess Gisborne's water supply it does remain vulnerable. Um, it, it's still relying on about one third to one half of its total supply from that backup plant. Um, and yeah, at times things do go wrong. Um, they're sometimes having to move water through the plant so quickly that um, that the the colour can still sometimes be a little bit off. Um, people took to social media here in Gisborne last month complaining about dirty water coming out of their taps. But the council reassures that even though it might not look or always taste the best, it is always safe to drink, unless they say otherwise, of course. Um, I suppose this does, in many ways, highlight the importance of getting the main supply in Wainaki, which we've already talked about, uh, protected well into the future. All right. Now, let's talk about elections. It's been, um, obviously, we've got one, a small one coming up quite soon, but it's been one year since local <laughs> body elections. And you've been following up with the Māori Ward councillors, the new Māori Ward councillors, about their year. Yes, I, I have indeed. So this was a particularly significant election here in Gisborne last year uh, because it saw the introduction of five new Māori ward seats. Um, I recently asked some of those new councillors just how the past year has been for them. And a common theme uh, which came up, perhaps unsurprisingly, was cyclone recovery. Um, the weather had taken a huge toll on the region, they said. Uh, people were still doing it tough. Rowania Parata, who lives up the coast in Rotoria, had some interesting reflections. She said the past year had forced the entire region to confront climate change. Um, she describes the campaign to get into council as a popularity contest, so some quite honest reflections from her there. She also said that the work itself was often introspective, uh, that council papers were not for the faint of heart. It was an important, it was important to have you know, critical thinking and analytical skills. Um, those were some of her reflections, and, and those were echoed in part by Rhonda Tibble, um, who said that councillors were, in effect, professional readers, uh, tasked with digesting large amounts of technical readings. And if you've ever read a council report, uh, that certainly rings true. <laughs> it's a lot of dense information in those. Um, other reflections include those of An um, Ani Pahuru Huriwai, who uh, pointed out that all Māori ward councillors uh, were involved in their Fano, hapu and iwi, in many ways, uh, they spoke with the same voice. 
But the main thread, I think, which emerged um, from all of these new councillors was that they're working hard uh, together to make sure the Māori voice is heard at the table. And that can only be a good thing. Goodness, you've got some interesting elections on your turf as well, haven't you, coming up in the general election, some interesting um, seats in play. Um, We'll be digesting all of those uh, come Saturday night, Sunday morning and beyond. Um, You want to note a sad week uh, for for many on the coast with the passing of two prominent voices. Yeah, it really has been, um, Catherine. Um, A couple of very highly regarded uh, Māori voices have have passed away within a really short space of each other. Um, Roger Tichborne of Nahapu Otokamaru Ako passed away last week and, and he was a staunch campaigner for Māori land. Um, someone I've had the privilege of working with on stories before. Uh, he's no longer living in Tairawhiti, uh, but I had the privilege of meeting with him in person over Queen's birthday last year when he was in town for a hikoi um, against perpetual leases at Tokamaru Bay. Um, this year I wrote a story about a, a controversial sports uh, lease being granted on, on sacred land at Tokamaru, and, and there his name was again uh, appearing on a letter from 1997 which he had written to the chief executive of Gisborne District Council at the time, highlighting his concerns. So a massive loss in Roger. Um, and then just yesterday, we found out that um, Tuta Narimu had passed away and he was a staunch campaigner um, in, in both the anti-drug and housing spaces here in Gisborne. Uh, did a lot of work to help people recover from meth addiction. Um, also managed a suicide prevention uh, trust here. Uh, so a massive outpouring of sorrow uh, following his uh, recent passing. Although these two men are no longer here in the physical sense, I'm sure their mahi will, will live on for generations to come. Uh, yeah, moi maira, may they rest in peace, Catherine. Indeed, uh, and what contributions across such a range of, of issues. Uh, with, with, the, with both the anti-drug and the housing work, um, how how has that worked? Has it been working with local iwi and and or, or working with government agencies? How how was his work undertaken? Yeah, he was incredibly hands on. He he seemed to just have a, a lot of good contacts, which he'd work, um, including the paper here. <laughs> so he'd contact <laughs> always, us whenever there always was, a, yeah. an anchor in a in a local community for sure. Whenever yeah, whenever there was an issue unfolding with with um, with Fano um, struggling with with housing or having an issue with kind of order, um, he was always the first there. Indeed, I'm just seeing the actor and writer Rob Mokoraka just playing tribute here um, on another matter: the harm done in the community by methamphetamine. But also, just seems to be someone who was uh, prepared to go wherever um, wherever he was needed. Uh, wonderful to mark those really two significant contributors to the community and keep us posted on the next, you know, sort of stages of trying to get that uh, water main supply uh, more protected because just to, talking a little bit earlier to some guests, this kind of resilience is going to be essential up and down the motu, Matthew. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, um, I mean, sadly we know that this isn't the last cyclone which will hit the region, I'm sure there'll be you know, plenty more challenging times weather-wise to come, so it's, it's more important now than ever to um, to secure that. And as Rowinia Parata pointed out in her reflections on the, on the past year, um, you know, we've been forced to confront climate change head-on. It's become 
a part of people's everyday lives here. Yeah. It's not um, a, water a, a is future just... a theory or a future anymore, is it? Yeah. Matthew, thank it's you very not. much. It's very thank present. you. Matthew Rosenberg, he's a local democracy reporter based out of the Gisborne Herald's newsroom.